By speaking with local creators, artists, and business professionals, Papercut aims to cut deep and demystify the Winnipeg creative industry with hometown heroes and hidden gems. Brought to you by the West End Cultural Center, the best place for over 30 years to see live music in Winnipeg. Welcome to Papercut Podcast. My name is Jared Goche. I'm Olivia Michaelchuk, and we're here with Daniel Reiskin. Please tell us a little bit about yourself. Hello, and thank you for having me. Um, we know where to begin, but for starters, uh, my name is Daniel Reiskin. I'm a music director of Winnipeg Symphony Orchestra. This is my second full season. We just started, and uh, I am originally from St. Petersburg, Russia, but I have left this country 30 years ago. I have resided in uh, Amsterdam and uh, in Germany and now I am sharing my time with between Winnipeg and Amsterdam and many other places around the world I conduct but uh, the bulk of my time I spent here in Winnipeg and uh, it's a great place to be. It sounds like a lot of traveling. Before we get into yeah, your roles, um, how did you land in Winnipeg? Oh well, it's a it's a pretty straightforward way conductors actually land um, positions as music directors. I, as many of us, I have an agency. Uh, people who represent and work for me, pretty much like in sport or in any other artistic activity, or in, as I said, in sport. And um, through that uh, invitation to guest conduct with WSO, Winnipeg Symphony Orchestra was uh, secured, and I came as a guest conductor. And didn't know much um, about the process. The orchestra has embarked already, looking for a successor to then um, my predecessor, music director. Um, I knew a lot about the, the the orchestra and a lot of good stuff because um, one of my close friends was a former music director of this orchestra, and uh, also it has a wonderful reputation in the musical circus, and not the least because of the iconic nature of the Winnipeg New Music Festival, which is obviously a calling card for this institution. It's uh, an event of uh, absolutely highest international standards and proportions and probably one of the most important new music festivals in North America and around the world. It's going to celebrate its 30th anniversary the year from now. So um, so I was keen to check it out for myself. I also knew a number of soloist musicians that performed with the orchestra and always came back with a sense of great surprise. Uh, you know, it's an orchestra that is actually far away from everywhere in the middle of Manitoba prairies and uh, you don't expect the orchestra of such international caliber to be hidden away here. So uh, um, I came and um, apparently uh, what I did and the way uh, the contact to the orchestra and the way we made music um, was appealing and uh, we have engaged also in conversations about my interests and uh, whether I would be open to uh, discussions about possibly uh, working here on a more permanent basis and uh, it took a while uh, my, between my first visit here in February 2015 and my position being announced uh, in February 2018 it took good intense three years and that time I have visited Winnipeg another two times working as a guest conductor and engaged in um, a large number of um, meetings and discussions with various committees and community around the orchestra so that both sides, me included, knew that this is not going to be a mistake we will regret for the first four or five years of the running contract. <laughs> uh, you want to be really sure that you're embarking on a relationship that 
after a year or two, you would not necessarily want to start looking for another music director, acknowledging a defeat, and that was a mistake. It's a, it's a process, and the result of it needs to lead to a relationship that is helpful in building a, a new legacy and in writing a new page in the history of institution. We're talking about the orchestra that is in its 72nd season. So um, I think we were all uh, very thorough in that, and uh, that's why... Uh, when we started last year and uh, first of all the process already brought us together and in the meanwhile I had an opportunity to work with the musicians of the orchestra again and uh, this relationship um, developed and uh, that's why uh, when I started you know like a full uh, my full first year uh, tenure uh, it resulted in, in, in what everyone expected it will be and now it's the you know, we just take it further and build and set the expectations bar even higher and uh, have our goals and dreams and just go after them. Fantastic. So what is an artistic director and what is a conductor? Uh, it's a music director. Sorry, um, sorry. Well, it's, it's pretty much the same. Uh, it's both. By the, the conductor can be not necessarily a music director. You can be just a guest conductor. You can be... Uh, a guest conductor that comes more often than others and then you become a principal guest conductor. You can be even principal conductor not judged with the music direction and artistic direction of the institution. The way uh, the orchestras uh, work around North America and in Canada and by largely also around the world is that uh, the music director is the main conductor of the orchestra that is actually responsible for the artistic vision the artistic strategy, the build-up of all the programs, uh, hiring of musicians in orchestra and also guest artists, of course in cooperation with uh, artistic and executive staff, but basically uh, the management of the orchestra is built such way that the board appoints the executive director, and this is uh, a branch of the institution that works on the well-being of institution financially institutionally and all the laws and stuff and then there is a um, artistic branch of the institution uh, the head of which is me and i have uh, great people to work with within the orchestra and we are actually responsible for building what this institution is doing uh, so i am head of artistic operations whatever and by that also i am the conductor who is doing the most work with this orchestra, and the most frequent and, uh, and most uh, in-depth work with this orchestra uh, of all the other conductors. And we have associate conductor, uh, who now became a resident conductor, Julian Pelican, and we have an assistant conductor, and they have their own duties, but um, we work together and uh, we outline a direction I would like this institution to uh, had and uh, we have a programming committee where we discuss the repertoire and the works we want to be played and uh, to bring to our audiences but ultimately the final say in um, how the artistic direction um, and a strategy uh, will be implemented and built is my responsibility. Interesting. So could you explain that relationship of the committee leading up to a season, a new season, how it all comes together. Do you guys meet every other day? Is it? Well, first of all, one needs to realize that the programming cycle and uh, 
actually the planning cycle um, is always running very, very much ahead of what's happening today. So with other words, what you are going to hear from the stages of Centennial Concert Hall uh, played by WSO in spring of 2021 uh, has largely been planned already for half a year or so. And just yesterday, uh, we had a presentation of the season 2021. And mind you, we just started the season 1920 to our full board members so that they know what we're at. And uh, in case we're doing our job poorly, they would be able to, you know, sound the bell and make us work harder. But um, the reality is that particularly in the uh, entertainment business, uh, classical music, uh, theater, opera, ballet, uh, whatever, we are all kind of uh, pushed into this corner. I would not necessarily call this entertainment. It's much more than that. But uh, um, especially if you want to get the best soloists, the best guest conductors, the best shows um, to come to Winnipeg, uh, it's a question of popularity and demand. And if you want to get after these people, you need to do this in advance if you want to stand a chance. And we are not an institution that can um, uh, invite or attract people simply because we write a fat check. You know, it's uh, it needs to be a, a, a combination of factors and. Uh, so being one of the first to call on them to come and uh, offer them an interesting project, that's one of the things. So um, so the, the, the planning cycle is something that is going very much far ahead in time. So we are now actually already starting to plan season 21-22, because 2021, which is the, the one after the current, is almost done. Uh, what we do is that we have our season divided in different packages, you would call them, subscription series, um, dedicated to different genres. Uh, our core work, of course, is a symphony orchestra, is a symphonic repertoire of over the 300 years of symphony music being written. And it's divided in two major subscription series, Masterworks A and B. And by the nature of it, Masterworks A is concentrated more on a more popular symphonic uh, let's say, more conservative repertoire, uh, based around, largely around the works very popular, well-known, and things that people again and again want to hear. You cannot do only this, because you always need to imbue your repertoire with a sense of curiosity and discovery and something else. You want to both serve the audience that has the great orchestral experience visiting the concerts and knows the pieces they want to hear, but you also want to cater to the audience that is not necessarily is so keen on listening to the music by dead composers. They maybe want to have a connection more immediate to around our time or previous century, 20th century. And then we have a Masterworks B series where we combine um, the repertoire more um, conservative and well-known with the one that taking the impulses of the past um, remakes the thinking of, about the, how symphonic music has to be into the f future generations and look at it. So we combine, let's say, music from the 19th century with the pieces that are written today and uh, reflect with that on the music that is 
the second half of the 20th century. And that becomes a very interesting retrospective where you can actually show the audience the way how the music has developed, or certain genre has developed uh, within the past 150 years, let's say. So this is our main classical orchestral concerts um, pillars, two masterwork series, and then we have several classical specials. Many of them have to, uh, the uh, choral nature. We work with a lot of wonderful local choirs, uh, and Winnipeg has a very strong choir culture. And then we have a, a series of Pops concerts where the symphony orchestra is part of the projects where it's a lot of it is a crossover or genres like whether it's a Broadway or musical or even like I conducted uh, a Pops concert last year, last season with Matthew Morrison, who is very well known from the Glee, the popular TV series. And, and uh, next year we will have, or this year, for example, I'm uh, doing a Pops, which is around uh, George Gershwin's musical Crazy for You. And I'm doing now the special with uh, in October with uh, Jeremy Dutcher, who is a brilliant indigenous singer. And uh, That's going to be incredible. I'm Sorry? so excited for that show with Jeremy yeah, Dutcher. It's going to be great. And this is a full symphony orchestra, you know, ESL by it amplified, and it's a different genre, and the, and the anchor is, of course, Jeremy Dutcher, but it's a, it's a great program where orchestra is also playing pieces uh, of its own, so it's not only everything with Jeremy Dutcher, it's some things are played just by the orchestra. So, so this is the pops, and this caters to people who like the concerts that are not necessarily a pop or rock band. It's still a more intimate setting. It also involves the symphony orchestra. But these are people that are maybe not necessarily going to listen to a Beethoven symphony or a Tchaikovsky concerto, you know. However, uh, if uh, you talk about uh, the different genres, still, it's like, I don't know, it's like with, with, with food, too, you know. Music doesn't have nationality, and the food, too, it has colors and flavors, but it's largely divided in two categories. Great music and not so great music. And then it's the question of taste. You know, some people want to hear Beethoven and Tchaikovsky, and others want to hear Jeremy Dutcher and uh, Matthew Morrison and musical and uh, circus, uh, symphonic circus or whatever. Uh, then we have a lot of educational concerts. That's a very important uh, part of our activities, uh, I would say good 20% of what we're doing as Winnipeg Symphony has an educational character. So we do a lot of kids' concerts, we do school concerts. I'm doing an October project with Up Close and Orchestra, we're playing in several schools, where I'm also talking about music, and it's, it's a lot of storytelling, a lot of narrative, a lot of um, um, information where music becomes an illustration to uh, what the message actually is. Uh, so family concerts, kids concerts, educational concerts, school concerts, that's a lot. Then we have a great series with movies and live symphony orchestra. You all know great movies with a great scores. This and is what I'm going to say. For the Jurassic <laughs> you know, Park Jurassic Park, of course. Oh, Jurassic so Park or that. Star Wars or Star Trek or whatever, you know, Harry Potter movies or Amadeus. This is all great scores. I mean, with and without movie, but if you actually can offer the symbiotic experience of having the great movie on a big screen, and mind you, I mean, we're talking about the cinema space 
which the Centennial Concert Hall becomes, and it's where you're like in a cinema theater of 2,300 seats. There's not so many cinema theaters here in Winnipeg that are that big, I'm sure not. Mm -hmm. And you throw in the full-size symphony orchestra that actually plays the music uh, that you know from the movie, live, this moment, not pre-recorded, nothing. It's a, it's a, it's a unique experience. So, and many people who actually come to these concerts, they are so mesmerized by this mass sound of the orchestra, you know, and how it enhances the experience of a movie, they start to check out when the orchestra performs without the movie, you know, and they come to our symphony mm -hmm. concerts too. So, because we have all these different narratives and different styles we uh, work with, and on top of that is, of course, our performances with Royal Winnipeg Ballet and Manitoba Opera, but this is something they plan and they engage us in helping them to bring their performances. Then we start to think, there's always a, it's already a, a, a history of 72 years, so you know what really speaks to Winnipeg audience, what doesn't, what has been played in the last five years, what, what wasn't. What do you need as an institution, as an orchestra, to, um, which kind of repertoire you need to perform to develop your skills further? Which things are difficult for us to put because we are not a hundred musicians orchestra, but a sixty-seven nucleus musician orchestra. So if you, everything you need to hire above that costs a lot of money. So you need to be budget efficient and you need to balance. And um, I always try to plan whatever season I'm involved with that there is always a, a certain storytelling thread for the whole season, whether it takes on three or four concerts out of the 12 masterworks or more, or maybe through the complete thing, that's a question you every time want to assess and, and you know, maybe there are a few stories. And then we, uh, you know, together, I have, of course, my uh, ideas and, and, and dreams and repertoire I really like to perform here, knowing the strengths and uh, of the orchestra in their style of playing. And then musicians come with also there because we're, it's a living organism, a great, well-educated, brilliant performers. Many of them have played in this orchestra for 42 years. You know, some wow. of them are really more than 40 years, others 30 years. So, and these people, some of them, for example, come and say, you know what, I'm here for 38 or 40 years. I have never played this, and I really would like this to, to, to be performed. We look at this, and sometimes, and then... You know, my predecessor, Alexander Mikkeltweit, was here music director for 12 years, and he has his tastes and his uh, um, repertoire corners that were very developed, and others touched a little less. And I have my tastes and my strong uh, preferences, and I try to, I'm not trying to repeat him, and I'm trying to also to uh, cater to the tastes of the audience. So from that, we kind of get a a skeleton. Then there is always a number of guest artists that we want to engage and have and look. You know, we cannot have like six violin soloists and, you know, let's perform all the violin concertos. So we need to balance. Here's a violinist soloist, here's a wind instrument, here's a piano player, here's a singer, here's. So, and we don't want to, you know, like be all the violinists being in A series and all the piano players in it. So it's a, it's a, it's a balance. You see, it's a lengthy process. So you need to start in advance and especially getting the great players. And it's always um, a discussion. And sometimes you have to provoke and sometimes you have to fight and, um, and sometimes you have something already done and then you get a 
upsetting call from the agent of the artist you were sure will come and they say well i'm sorry he got a better gig and with new york philharmonic he cannot come to you what do you do <laughs> even if you double his fee he will still go to new york philharmonic it's a question of prestige <laughs> if he does that he will never come back to winnipeg symphony but that's their call to make <clears throat> at any rate at any rate it's a uh, it's a lengthy process and uh, you cannot ever please everyone involved, so for that reason, someone needs to be at the end in charge and say, you know what, I try to accommodate as much as I can and respect and we work together, but if I'm convinced about a certain profiling or a certain um, uh, direction we want to take, this is what we're going after. And unless it is seriously, you know, outside the frames of the budget I'm supposed to operate within, I would be fighting for it, you know, so... And so far, we were very successful, actually, to have this team effort lead to uh, programming, programming some really cool uh, seasons. With um, And I'm particularly looking forward also to this year, like this week, for example, um, our concerts Friday and Saturday. The soloist who is coming to Winnipeg is one of my closest friends and bringing to Winnipeg in during this season a number of artists that are really an intricate part of my artistic DNA. People I've been sharing stage for 25 years already around the world, like Benjamin Schmidt, a brilliant Austrian violinist who comes just landed in Winnipeg today. I met him in 1994 and we haven't been uh, on stage together we have been on stage together every year after that, and sometimes many times a year, for 25 years, whether performing together as chamber musicians or as soloists or as him playing violin and me conducting. So this opportunity for me to actually show more of myself through uh, the musicians that are really you know, part of my biography, really. And the same will be in, uh, <clears throat> in March with two artists that come to perform with us. And also some repertoire that is very, very significant to me, things that I think I am good at and maybe can say a unique word uh, in the music we're performing in combination of Winnipeg Symphony Orchestra and myself. It always takes two to tango, they say, and the thing is that we as conductors are supposed to bring the best out in musicians we are leading, especially if you're a music director of a band. But one needs to understand that if the relationship is right and inspiring on both sides, then the orchestra you work with uh, really brings the best out in you. So, And this happens particularly in certain repertoire where the ensemble like Winnipeg Symphony has a very strong... Um, attitude and, and, and strong own voice in certain repertoire. And they do. For example, whether it's a symphony by Mahler or a Brahms symphony we're, for example, rehearsing today, it's wonderful to have so much you can actually absorb without having to necessarily influence it by yourself. You just can embrace the certain tradition these musicians already have. Yes, you sat here and there, your own accents and your own, you bend it your own way, and sometimes you can strongly disagree with a certain, but very often you really embrace what's already there and you just give it a different, a little different shape. So um, this is a little bit about the process and how it's... Um, um, coming around. The greatest thing about the, our orchestral kitchen is that at the end of the day everything should look incredibly effortless. You know, there's the guy waving his hands in front of 70 people on stage and they're all inspired and playing music together and, and happy and we have a brochure outlining all our concerts and um, 
whenever you come to the concert hall, uh, everything is prepared, and uh, so it's never uh, uh, a work of guessing. It's uh, but the amount of labor and amount of effort behind this seemingly effortless uh, performance and smooth organizing is tremendous. I can tell you that. There's always we joke about this in the office also that every day is a, is a a wonder in making that you know that there's so much magic needs to happen to actually do what we do and and survive every day and uh, and bring the product we we offer to the audiences around for so many years and it's the simple answer why is that because and I can speak from experience after doing so much work uh, around the world but mainly in Europe uh, where the institution like ours is uh, fully public money subsidized um, it's a complete different thing here so um, and yes we do have public support which amounts to somewhere around between 20 and 25 percent but the perception of many in communities uh, here is that we are a public money funded organization not at all 25 percent hardly constitute uh, of our annual budget hardly constitute being publicly funded mm -hmm. uh, another 40 percent or 45 percent we earn by selling our tickets, which is actually a very good result, but the rest is fundraising. And the relevance of what we're doing here and doing for so long and so successfully is actually illustrated by the fact that we are able year in, year out to uh, actually fundraise. And if you talk about, it's about, yeah, somewhere between 30 and 30, yeah, 30% 30 of our annual budget we need to fundraise that's a lot of hundreds and thousands and millions of canadian dollars and uh, yeah. it's it's not something that is uh, so it's a little bit of a miracle every time that we <laughs> yeah. we have our season starting and our season ending uh but yeah that's um that's what makes our work exciting on and uh, off the stage so with such a high percentage of fundraising funds coming through how many fundraiser events throughout the season will you put on actually not so many uh we our in the last four years we had created and this year was the fourth fourth year running we have created the opening night gala where we invite um, one of the most famous uh, artists uh, around the world uh, to come to Winnipeg. Usually it costs us a lot more than the artists than we normally can afford. And uh, But that idea that you have one evening only opportunity and maybe once in a lifetime opportunity to hear someone like Itzhak Perelman or Renee Fleming or Joshua Bell or Emmanuel X on stage of Centennial Concert Hall for that one night only in Winnipeg. And you don't need to go to New York or LA or San Francisco or Berlin or Paris. This what attracts a lot of people. And that allows us also to sometimes um, raise the price of the ticket. And this eventfulness character of uh, this particular evening is, of course, a fundraiser. And then we throw the fundraising dinner after that. And people who really take... Uh, to our cause, they come and they buy a really expensive ticket to this dinner, and this is our fundraising, for sure. Mm -hmm. And then, in, that's in the fall, always in September, now, in the last four years. And in, in May, we have a spring uh, fundraising gala, like many other organizations do. 
And we try always to, to do this very entertaining, uh, in a very entertaining way with all the musicians involved, lots of music playing, good food, lots of activities, auctions and silent auctions and this, and just simple appeals. So I mean, if you really throw a fun evening and a fun party and you can strongly articulate why is that you need people's support, those who have money, uh, will give a lot. Those who have less money will give less, and those who have little money will give little, but still leave, but still give. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. Everyone can, everyone can be the part of a community that actually supports uh, the institution like ours. And I must tell you that throughout the years, and not only working here but around the world, I can tell you that you do not have to necessarily be uh, a devout and passionate classical music lover. To be an articulate supporter of the symphony orchestra like ours, also through financial donations, because the mere fact that this city has a full-time symphony orchestra, full-size symphony orchestra, the fantastic ballet company, the opera, several universities, wonderful museums, National Museum for Human Rights, and so all that together, makes this community for what it is, and much more livable than it would have been without all that. And when people talk about, yes, but we need, you know, we, we, we don't know, we, it's all entertainment, I don't know if we need the theaters and, and the orchestras if we don't have uh, decent roads. Yeah, you can build decent roads, but they need to lead somewhere. That's very important. Otherwise, where would you drive from your home through the distant road if it's just to a Safeway or Ikea or whatever shopping mall? It, it's going to be a very sad community. So I come across a lot of people that do come to our concerts much less frequent, frequently than you would expect from people who care so much about our well-being. And just that tells a lot. And mind you, the Winnipeg Symphony is also a, a kind of a uh, anchor that holds together so much because live music with Royal Winnipeg Ballet is Winnipeg Symphony. Live music with the opera is Winnipeg Symphony. Uh, lots of our musicians are involved in, in great educational uh, pro- programs and processes, to name uh, one that is really significant here of the several seven, eight last years, is Sistema Winnipeg. This is a, a program that is designed to bring music to kids from really difficult and underprivileged backgrounds to the schools where, and there are 300 kids now already for many years that are receiving a free of charge music education six days a week after the school um, time within their schools from the members of the Winnipeg Symphony and others we engage and we raise a lot of money uh, sometimes millions uh, over the years to have this program because they receive free of charge instruments, educate music education. They play in ensembles and orchestras. They learn to communicate through music. They learn as a to operate in a group, to learn to be responsible towards individuals around you and. What kind of people with learning disabilities and problems of temper and, and you know social background? Um, these kids profit so greatly from this program that actually keeps many of them off the streets where they could get in a lot of trouble, and that would 
you know, cost uh, the government uh, uh, agencies much more money than uh, the money we invest without receiving any government support for that program. Uh, for example, uh, we cost them much more than uh, what we are investing in order to give them a sense of future and belonging and decency and not like a uh, complete uh, sense of there's nowhere to go. You know. So I, I, I think that the fundraising, we have a very strong management department in our um, uh, management structure that is actually only devoted to fundraising. Um, and that not necessarily translates into having fundraising events. It's like everyday work, going after people, uh, informing them about our goals, about our strategies, about our needs, inspiring them, uh, convincing them, sometimes begging them <laughs> for supporting us, whatever. This is a full-time professional job to do that. And uh, we have uh, people that are whose sole responsibility is development and fundraising. And I gladly play uh, a role in that myself. And uh, I do donate large sums of money myself, earned from, by working with this orchestra. And um, I donate a significant part of my annual fee uh, to this orchestra because for me it's also investment uh, in the well-being of this organization, of which I'm part of. And I would not have moral right going after people with much more money than myself, asking them to help uh, if they ask me a question, and what is it that you have done for your organization, except for doing something professionally, you know? Uh, so uh, I think this, yeah, that should definitely translate in into a sustainable uh, support of um, this great institution. That's inspiring. Wow. That's really <laughs> thank you for everything that you do. Like beyond the profession, it's you're it's a positive change oh, in yeah. the community. Absolutely, no. It's a it's and it has been proven uh, with different major studies around the world, whether in Europe or U.S. or Australia or Asia. Um, communities that have a thriving um, arts organizations on all levels are so much more successful in all the other fields. It's it's been proven again and again that the money that is actually uh, put and given to the artistic communities through whatever uh, uh, structures are never money spent. This is money invested. And not because we are entertainers. This is much more than it. It's like... I don't want to uh, draw any uh, unrespectful comparisons, but there is, you know, there is, there are eateries and there are fast food and there are restaurants and and there are unique food experiences, you know, and there is uh, all of this is food and you can get stuffed with this, but the levels of uh, uh, nutrition and pleasure you get from that are completely different. The same is uh, with um, what we're doing. Some of it is entertainment. Some of that is a necessity of um, giving people an opportunity, especially in the age we're living in, where division, uh, aggression, violence, anxiety, uh, 
all kind of negative things through the 24-7 cycle of media barraging us with information that frankly is very disillusioning to us as human beings to see what we become um, as a symphony orchestra or as artistic organization that employs people of different gender different religions different races different sexual orientation background whatever playing instruments that are as different as double bass and piccolo xylophone and violin and yet we're able to reconcile all that on stage in a absolutely an inc incredible uh, drive of a high-level artistic performance. Now, this is a fantastic example of what the, uh, the strength of dialogue uh, and uh, open relationship uh, to the society that is so uh, divisive now is... Um, the symphony orchestra has become so it can be a great example also to the communities how do you actually speak to each other connect to each other and are able to be in the same room even having totally opposite views on things that are happening outside because when you are listening to a symphony by beethoven in the same hall it doesn't matter whether you're democrat or republican person of color or white if you are gay or you are straight if you are catholic or you're muslim it doesn't matter for this 45 minutes of the symphony you are listening to what's coming at you you're all one and this is the message uh, we we really try to uh, to send and uh, uh, outside maybe then you go and you, the power of music will help you to reconcile your uh, differences uh, that's I, I would feel very satisfied is if what we do can lead to that amazing well, on that note thank you so much for yeah. joining us today no, that's absolutely pleasure. incredible no, thank you for sharing you. all of your knowledge great. and insights about the symphony with great so pleasure much. i thank hope you. you guys have millions of followers and you all are <laughs> going so to few. storm our box offices and check our subscription series that have something for everyone and uh symphony orchestra is nothing to be afraid of it's uh, it's a it's an incredible uh um, array and um, exhibition of uh, uh, what we as human beings really can achieve together rather than listening to uh, some news about what we who, who killed whom and who raped whom and who groped whom and who betrayed whom it's it's sometimes very yeah disappointing to say the least mm -hmm. so head down to the WSO for the upcoming season. Congratulations on the upcoming season, by the way. Thank you very much. And thank you, Daniel. And thank you. Thank, thank you, you for, for cutting, cutting deep, deep with us on Paper Cut Podcast. Podcast. Thanks. Thanks.